Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly... Hello and welcome to season two, episode twenty of the Thistle Rugby Podcast, the only rugby podcast that cares about Scottish rugby. If you guys are still fans of Scottish rugby and you're turning out, thanks again for coming. What a horrible weekend, lads. Matt, how are you feeling? Not good. Only lasted about 55, 60 minutes of the match. Got over it quite quickly, just because I think it was so bad and I had to, but yeah, not a fun weekend. Alan, you were on site, you were witnessed the crime, you were in Cardiff. How are you doing? Yeah, it's been a tough weekend, <laughs> both mentally and physically. How many pints? Uh, moved to the red wine. Oh, lovely. Around about 8pm with my <laughs> low quality <laughs> curry. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was nice. Onion badges and a little um, chicken korma. Ah, you've got korma written all over your <laughs> Look, the stomach had had a tough day. I'm not chucking in something extra spicy, am I? Well, you got to play it safe. That sounds like a wonderful way to end a terrible <laughs> trip to Cardiff. Um, thanks a lot for joining us, guys, listening on iTunes um, or the ACAST podcast app or whatever um, app you use to get your podcasts. Um, following us on Twitter, I'm sorry about the tweets. I was pretty angry and a little bit drunk when I was doing them, but so it was quite a lot of um, swearing. But uh, it was aggressive. It was quite I aggressive. They were quite good though. You know, th- I think that's just where I go when I'm watching it and we're doing that badly. <laughs> and I like I like the tweet where you slagged off Russell, giving a zero out of ten, and Xander Vegason piled in with a light. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I thought that was quite savage. <laughs> that's absolutely savage. <laughs> but that was on the Twitter account at Thistle Rugby Pods, and um, we were putting out some stuff on Insta as well, Thistle underscore Rugby under stroke pods um and um as i say we say it every week but if you can get onto itunes leave us a review five stars it really helps us get up the charts um how about this one from cr clarkson 
um, five stars. It says, more Scotland, no penises. Um, I tried listening to the rugby pod, but I couldn't deal with Jim Hamilton's Scotland analysis and constant unceasing penis chat. This pod, much better for Scotland, Edinburgh, Glasgow fans. Well, I like Scottish rugby and have a terrible piece. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Well, did, you, did you see that on, on our ratings last week? I'm not sure what was going on, but we were in the hobbies section. We got to number two of the hobbies. Are we, are we still in the hobby section? I, th- I, I looked. We've now been moved back over to sports and recreation, but for one glorious day. Did you, did you speak to Tim Cook? Had a word. I had a quick, I had a quick chat with Tim Cook at Apple, yeah. and I was like, yeah. lads, we're a sports pod. Although, n- nice to see us at number two, though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I know. Fuck it was Gardner's like, world. Gardner, yeah, it was Gardner and Gardner's question time got what was coming to them, didn't they? <laughs> um, right, so should we, I know we don't really want to, but should we talk about the rugby? I think we've got a little bit of news to get through first. Then we'll have a look back at the Wales game. Um, we then had a really interesting chat. We've just um, got off the line with him. Paul Edison, he is a sports journalist who is a specialist on French rugby. He's come in and given us some really good insight looking ahead to the game at Murrayfield on Sunday, and then we will use that to springboard our way into a France game. And then, Alan, I believe you have a one-question quiz for us. I've actually increased it to two. Oh, very good. Because I don't know if you'll actually get the first one. (laughs) Well, if it's worth it, I'm sure that is worth hanging around for, guys. We're going to talk about how we were looking at pod listening, and it seems to (laughs) dive when we get to the quiz. It does seem to. Yeah, we should. There should be some sort of reward for people that get through the quiz. <laughs> we'll have to come up with something like that. But um, should we crack on and have a look at some news? Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, Matt Scott. It's been r- rumoured for a wee while, and it was reported in Gloucestershire Live that he was um, looking pretty set to come to Edinburgh. Matt, but we've got a bit of an update on that, don't we? Yeah, we do. We've got an inside source. Um, he said he doesn't want his name mentioned on the pod for fear of upsetting his good friend Matt. But I think he's a yeah, long-time friend of him, so it's a good source. Uh, he's kind of Stuman legend slash Edinburgh rugby mercenary. You're trying to give him um, away? No, I'm just saying. I'm giving him some <laughs> kudos. And he has confirmed in a one-word answer, yes, that Matt Scott is indeed coming back to Edinburgh. Boom. It's confirmed. I just hope there's no like Poirot at Scottish rugby. You could definitely find out who this guy is. <laughs> Talk about protecting your sources. Yeah, I know. There's quite a few guys who have played for Stumel and other Edinburgh clubs. <laughs> You're going to get struck off. Um, but that is good news. Do we think that's good news for Edinburgh, if true? I think it's a really good sign. If he plays at 12 as well, because I think he's sort of been shifted about in the last few seasons, 12 and 13. But I think 12 is his best position, and that's where Edinburgh struggled. Sort of hometown boy gets the club. I think it'd be really good. Yeah, it kind of he had sort of a relatively good start at Gloucester, sort of the first six months. But Scoring tries for fun in the early days, wasn't it? Kind of injuries mm. have been sort of a massive issue, and he's kind of fallen out of that. Not only the starting team, but the sort of the match day twenty three. So, like I always thought he was a pretty good player. I remember when he first came on the scene, sort of twenty eleven, twenty twelve, and he mm. was sort of ripping up trees. Um, and hopefully, sort of a move back to Edinburgh, get him matched up with Mark Bennett. That's tasty. That is tasty. That's really nice. Um, someone not coming back to Edinburgh, Tim Visser, has re-signed for Quinns. Looks like he's he'll probably see out his career down there now. What do we think of that? I think fair play to him. Like Probably quite good fun down there. I'd, it seems if he's not going to get much of a look in for Scotland at the moment. So keep scoring tries at Quinns. Fair play. Ditto. Very good. <laughs> um, and bad news. Leo Sarto looks like he might be out for the rest of the season and that will probably mean that is his days at Glasgow done. It's probably 
a fair reflection of his time at Glasgow this season where he's had a couple of games where he's been generally almost a standout player, but just consistently gets quite long-term injuries. Yeah, and I think we said it on the pod, you know, freeing up a little bit of um, a bit of cash for a guy that has been injured loads and has also goes away when he's fit and plays for Italy, so he doesn't play the international window stuff. It's a pretty much a win-win for Glasgow, even though he has been good for them. Yeah, no, agreed. Anything to add, Matt? Nope. I'm sorry, it's just <laughs> shaking your... You have to say it out <laughs> yeah, loud. You can't I just forgot, shake your head on radio. On What's thinking is about a rogue signing for Glasgow? Do you think T- Thomas O'Allen can move back, Allen. cover that 10 position with Adam Hastings? <laughs> <laughs> what? No. <laughs> I'm just saying. He looked pretty good at the weekend. He was okay. He was quite good, actually. He speaks English. Yeah, I'm pretty Poss- sure he's tied to Italy now, though, Alan. <laughs> yeah. I don't know the details, but I think he's tied to Italy. That's fair. <laughs> um, right, should we get into Scotland versus Wales then? Why don't we start somewhere where we never start? Should we try and find some positives? Should we pick out some positives off the carcass of Scottish rugby in Cardiff? Alan, as the most negative man in Scottish rugby media, I'm going to come to you first. Um Give me a positive from the game on Saturday. Um, McAnally, Watson, Johnny Gray, when they were given ball in hand, looked quite dynamic, were making yards. Agreed. And actually, when they were sort of taking ball at pace, and actually after, specifically, I think, Rambo and Hamish Watson, when they'd sort of taken the ball forward, that's when our backs looked sort of, most dangerous or at least had most sort of opportunities to make breaks um so i think obviously rambo sort of excluding some of the line out stuff i think they all had some quite good individual games and apart from that hog looked relatively sharp you know didn't do anything bad and i don't think he really had the opportunity to do much too much mm-hmm. out wide um he didn't have any shocker he didn't have any howlers he didn't have any howlers Look, first six minutes, we looked fucking sweet. And that's a positive, Matt. <laughs> Anything else to add to, to that? Yeah, I'd agree. I thought um, McAnally was probably my man of the match, actually. Um, I thought he was making himself available for carries a lot more than the other forwards and was doing it to good effect and getting some nice offloads. Um, Perhaps I thought, to the detriment of the lineup. Well, yeah. Um, it wasn't great, but I thought... Yeah, it was a bit frustrating because Wales seemed to compete really well. That's the thing. Um, it it wasn't like bad line-out no. throws. Wales were just competing really well. Yeah. Um, they seemed to sort of suss the calls. And I thought, you know, we, we were very worried about the scrum. And for all Reed and Welsh's kind of numerous faults, they were actually pretty solid in the scrum. Yeah. So, but apart from that, I'm, I'm struggling. And to be fair, we did say if John Welsh, and if we if that scrum stays solid, then John Welsh and Gordy Reid have done all they had to do. So <laughs> yeah, actually, it did what was expected of them. Uh, I mean, it's what was expected of them. I might come on to raise some issue with their. <laughs> it's just it's like playing with apart from you know the scrum time. It's like playing with thirteen men. They are so ineffective in the loose, and there was times when I generally just thought they were just they were so off the pace. It, it was they, actually, they were playing a different game. It was embarrassing at points, them running around trying to make tackles. And whenever they, they got the ball on the loose, they looked like really underpowered and trying to chuck away stupid offloads and they're going backwards. I, yeah. Hey, come on. Sorry, sorry, is sorry. That, is that the positive? Well, I think that's positive's done. <laughs> I had, I've got one. I think that Hugh Jones showed little glimmer. I think he was playing out of position at 12 
where he was sort of stymied in attack, but I thought there was flashes of his good feet and attacking um, sort of threat, uh, a couple of good kicks, and yeah, that's yeah, that probably is about it. <laughs> Did we drink the Kool Aid? Well, yeah, this is the thing. Are Scotland really, really bad? Or was it just a blip? You can't become a bad team overnight, though. I know that maybe it was just the changes. Uh, we should have a cliche button for yeah. this for this yeah. pod. Well, yeah, <laughs> that, exactly. is, that is definitely a cliche. You've got to earn the right to play. You've got to earn the right, <laughs> to, play. Got to, earn the right to play. That has been and mentioned by about 10 pundits already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but I think, you know, you look back to last year's Six Nations, it, it was a good result. We were We were very good in the autumn overall in the big matches. So, yeah, part of me thinks it's a blip, but at the same time, the match revealed a lot of the concerns that we've had about Scotland and about Glasgow in the last year and a half or Absolutely. so. There's a bit of a mental frailty when things aren't going their way and it's very easy for those teams to become overpowered by bigger packs who keep it tight. So let, let's talk about that mental frailty though. I've got sort of issues of the team that we're on to. We'll come on to individual players after this. But that sort of mental fragility point, it was sort of harking back to the moments of madness following Fraser Brown's yellow card against England last year. And just that, we went two scores down um, after a litany of um, bad decisions and um, mistakes. And we just never seemed to be able to to shake that off or throw a punch, despite there being 70, 71, 72 minutes on the clock. Like, more than enough time in, a, in this Scotland team which can score tries to claw that back. What, what, what do you think it is? So, I think, I think you're right. I think that Scotland team were pretty shocked by the score after 10 minutes. And one of the things we've sort of discussed off the pod was was the fact that at the end of that game, there had been more runs made by backs than by forwards. So 45% of the runs had been made by forwards. And normally you'd see sort of 60, 65% of runs made by forwards and with the classic term, earn the right to play out wide. Gotta earn the right to play out wide. And it felt like 14-0 down in that sort of cauldron of an atmosphere, they just panicked and just looked to sort of chuck out wide, try and do, try and sort of play that miracle ball. And they didn't have someone who would just be like, look, we've got the game plan. We know what we have to do. And I actually thought Barkley was a little bit lacking in leadership on Saturday. Yeah. It's kind of what we, what we mentioned, that there's no plan B. And I, I, don't, I don't mind Scotland sort of trying that wide game plan for 15, even 20 minutes. So you're, you're having a crack, and that's what they're good at, trying to get Hogg and et cetera into the wide channels. But there has to be a recognition at some point. We're getting killed at the breakdown, or we're not getting support. We're not getting over the gain line. Let's just you know, truck it up a few phases. We, you know, they've got had good ball c- carriers, and that's just a bit concerning that someone like Barkley or I don't want to put all the blame on Finn's shoulders, but he is a senior player now and he is the standoff. Yeah. So he's got to take a bit of control and just it seemed like it was a complete lack of flexibility. We, we discussed it or we put out some thoughts on the Twitter um, yesterday sort of talking about that plan B and the idea of a plan B and why didn't we go to it when we were sort of 14 points down and we just needed that go forward and just to sort of calm the nerves a little bit. Do you think it's a personnel issue? Do you think that we have the personnel within that sort of elite group at the moment that can play that sort of um, big ball carrying, kick to the corners, territory, possession-based game? I think that team on Saturday against that Wales team could have done that. So Cornell Dupree 
is that sort of player. Wow. But the point is, is that he only hit it up twice. Well, I don't know if he was there. Now, whether if that... There's kind of two parts to that. Is that an issue of Conor Dupree just being a lazy bastard? <laughs> or is that actually that he wasn't getting the opportunity to make those hit-ups? I'm not really 100% sure. Maybe Finn Russell should have been calling Conor Dupree to get outside him or get inside him. Getting more of Ramble, getting more of Hamish Watson, getting more of Johnny Gray and trying to sort of target them around there. Because I think that, that Welsh backline just fanned out and were able just to sort of mm. smother us at the breakdown. And obviously, Hadley Park, Scott Williams, and that back row just managed to sort of dominate. Yeah, and I think you, you look back to the to the autumn, to the New Zealand test, where we obviously ran them very close. That wasn't harem scaring rugby. Um, I thought that in that game, you can remember sort of Russell Hogg kicking the ball to the corners, pinning the All Blacks back. Yep. The likes of Johnny Gray, Toulis, Gilchrist when he came on, even Luke Hamilton, you know, carrying hard drawing in the defenders, and then, as we said, earning the right to go wide. And there was just none of that. Yeah. It did. It it really, really disappointed me that we just, and it is an issue we've talked about, that that go forward, that sheer ability to get over the gain line, give your forwards a target, and let them create quick ball. We just couldn't do it. We didn't get quick ball at all. And then I am going to be quite critical of Finn. I think he had a very poor game, but against that off that base i mean what's he supposed to do it is pretty difficult to get to get going when you're getting ball on the back foot i don't think finn had that bad a game what, ju- what do you think he did he did well he he still sort of played his he, he still played his game and you know he, he apart from sort of a couple of like turnovers he and one missed touch his kicking wasn't actually that bad There's, i think his kicking was all right i just think I think a lot of people, the punditry that I've read and heard, lots of people have said, you know, on another day, those passes or those 50-50 offloads would have stuck. I just think, I think in some respects that is true. But I also think that if you look at the circumstances in which you're doing them, there's times when he was just forcing these things. And I don't think they were 50-50 offloads. I think they were really sort of like Hail Marys sometimes. I think there was one quite late on. It was almost like a chest pass just down to the yeah. ground. Yeah. And that was really, I've reached the end of my tether. And I think also there was one kick return he did where he actually, he started walking. It, it, and it really, I, I think you said something interesting pre-pod about do Finn's mistakes look worse because of the, his general demeanor? I think absolutely. <laughs> just because he is this chilled guy. And yeah, he's very languid. He's sort of, he he sort of balances between being a chill guy and looking a little bit like that un, a little arrogant child. What did you What did you make of the Clive Woodward um, criticism of him laughing during the uh, laughing during the anthems? I don't know. You, you don't really know why he's laughing. Someone might have said something to him. And at the end of the day, Luke, he's not like Josh Adams, who's having his first cap and like crying at the Millennium Stadium. He's like yeah. a forty cap person who's been there that time before and I, I don't think he's the personality that's going to be passionately screaming out the national anthem is yeah. not no he needs to be relaxed but i also think question whether you're, you're you are too relaxed but i think this is you know we've talked before certainly the media have talked an awful lot before of like when finn's played really well people say oh you know you should see him before he's just like in his own little world like laughing and joking and that's how he does it so i think that i think there is enough precedent to suggest that's just what he is yeah I think to suggest that that's him not taking the situation seriously enough is pretty uh, is pretty off. We'll come but on to this later, but 
do you think bringing on Greek earlier would have helped? Um, I possibly would have had him from half time. Because yeah, I, I think, think at half time we needed to, there was such a required change in strategy and personnel required that I would have hooked um, Price, Harris, maybe McGuigan, maybe BBT. The scary thing about that game is it was more likely that it, Wales were more likely to have scored more tries than Scotland were to have scored yeah. more tries. Yeah. yeah. Wales Absolutely. could have got. Wales left a few tries out in the field. I suppose Scotland did as well, but. In the first half, I think yeah. it was massively straight. First half, we made some, we had some decent territory, we had some good opportunities, and it was, oh. it was so frustrating. That should have scored off the Johnny Gray break. You've got yep. to score in that position when you get in. And behind. then they had a few, a kick to the corner, a scrum when Hugh Jones made the halfpenny carryover, and then I haven't seen it from a Scotland team in quite a while. These just shocking set piece moves that ended in nothing, where it's trying to score off the first phase, and it just. I think that just epitomized the whole performance. It was just, it was rushed and it was forced and it's just a bit immature. We've kind of veered onto it, talking about Finn there in a little bit more detail and I'll put my hand up as responsible for that. But what players do you think, what individuals do you think had bad days at the office and really had an impact in the outcome of the game? Well, I think we mentioned Cornel Dupria. We've sort he of been championing him a, a bit. Maybe not, I mean, we probably would have preferred Strauss, but... Two runs for Wilson. four meters. Yeah, exactly. And I, I genuinely didn't know he was playing until he... I hadn't seen him playing until he, I think, picked the ball up at a scrum and gave it to Price. That was his first contribution for yeah. 40 minutes or so. That's just not good enough. Um, He's not the Strauss that we want him to be, is he? I even it got to the point where I was saying, get Ryan Wilson on so you know things we got bad. <laughs> Ryan Wilson, who we are not huge fans of at that level, I thought he actually looked at least up for it. He looked combative. He looked involved. I don't know whether it's comparing him to Cornel Dupria's 50 minutes, but Wilson looked to be doing a bit more. He is obviously just a little bit of a leader in that group as well. Like I think, you know, he is Glasgow captain. And I think possibly again, bringing him on at halftime with Greek would have made a bit of a difference in terms of just direction. Um, Yeah. The one other player I thought had a poor game, BBT. It's pretty anonymous. Pretty anonymous. Actually, for that second try, he was completely at fault for the shingle, the shingler break. Yep, absolutely. Um, and also in the line-out, I know we've sort of mentioned Rambo, but also he definitely lost out to uh, those Wales jumpers, including shingler. Mm. Yeah, I think the second rows ultimately both lost. I think Alan Wynne-Jones and Lion legend Corey Hill, who's Corey actually Hill was really good. He's actually <laughs> quite good now. God. That's so like annoying. Really good with ball in hand. I was like, <laughs> so what? annoying. There, um, is, there isn't one position on the pitch that Wales didn't win. Yeah, that's a fa- uh, yeah, that's a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, do we want to spend any time? I don't want to say too much about it, but Chris Harris really didn't step up or make any impact other than a negative one, in in my opinion. Yeah. What? Once again, I think he suffers slightly from the platform he was playing with, and he did get quite a few kind of hospital. Passes. I think there's a bit of that. I think he has quite a good work rate. He was getting around. He's made his tackles, I think, and he made a turnover. But yeah, I just I just don't see why he's being selected at the moment. Turns out must see something, but I, I can't at the moment. I mean, I was fairly positive about him, to be honest with you. Um, but I, and this is, I think I made this point last week is I, I, my worry was there wasn't someone like Dunbar to kind of hit up and get that quick yeah. ball when needed. And I thought they would use McGuigan. And Seymour a lot more coming short, 
But they tried to use Harris a couple of times, and he's clearly just not that type of player. Stupid. He was sort of clearly not comfortable, like, taking that ball right on the game line. And, you know, inevitably, that sort of ended up with a lot of unforced errors. Absolutely. Um, let's cover off who we would change for the France game when we come on to preview it. Other issues with players? I suppose we've touched on um, Gordy Reid and um, Sean Welsh. I mean... What about issue with coaching? Issues with coaching. Did you, w- Warren Gatland was really int- was a really interesting. A they played a relatively open game. They played Patchell's strengths. Yep. And in the stadium, in the first thirty minutes, everyone in the crowd was losing their shit because they couldn't comprehend why Wales couldn't kick it out. Yeah. Everyone thought they were doing it accidentally, but clearly they purposely chose to kick at Hog and just come up in a really well-organized flat line, and they just bat themselves to mm. make their hits. And they did. I yeah. suppose you've got, within that back three, Seymour and McGuigan that you could also kick to. And they're not kickers. They're not going to put up a good box kick or something, a good up and under. Hogg can do it, but it's not in his yeah. it's not his first instinct to do that. So, yeah, it's funny in a way, because you're thinking, why are you you're sort of playing Scotland's strengths? Yeah. But actually, when you sort of think about it at another level, that is a bit of a weakness. Do you, yeah. think, do you think that was a bit of a rude awakening in the sort of the the sort of harsh realities of the Six Nations for for Gregor Townsend? He's been, I think, Eddie Jones and um, Warren Gatland are both sort of pretty hardened campaigners at that level and um, sort of sniffed a little bit at the media hyping Scotland. Oh, yeah. Do you think yeah. Townsend's you know got a bit to go to to learn at that level? I'm not. I'm not sure. I mean, I think. I don't think Townsend could have done that much more. I guess in terms of he had his sort of set plan and then once went 14-0 down, maybe Townsend needed to do more in terms of... I think Eddie Jones would have hooked players a lot quicker. I think so. Well, I think Gatlin would have hooked done it players in the past, a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, and maybe Townsend could have been a bit more proactive in what he did. Um, but no, it's interesting. Gatlin saying that before the game he thought he would the Wales win. would batter them and beat them by 20 points and he was k- pretty spot on the money it's more than right which yeah. is annoying because it's really such a really shit thing to hear but you know one more, one more positive my prediction was right from last week so you said they win by nine yeah but I said they win you both said Scotland would win so I did I also put a bet like on a before rise. how bad is my bets before <laughs> so I was sitting there in the pub I was thinking right I'm feeling seriously bullish I had Stuart McInally to score two tries <laughs> and Scotland to win by uh, more than 13. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Five people last week told me they had Scotland to win the Six Nations. Everyone in Scotland's lost a plot. And oh. I think I, I, I was part of that last week. I, will, I, I now know that I will never be positive ever again. That's it, the last tr- time I'll be tricked. Oh, you, mate, that's you tried my, it. Um, that's the birthday bet that you bought for me out the window. I know. That's a shame. Well, it might have just been the championship, so... We tried, but can we bounce back against France on Sunday um, at Murrayfield? Um, as we mentioned at the top, we've had a chat with um, Paul Edison, sports journalist, who knows everything there is to know about French rugby. Here's our chat with him now. Okay, and we're joined on the line by um, Paul Edison. Paul, how are you, man? Yes, very well, thank you. Uh, cheers for having me on. Not, not at all. You were down in, uh, down in Rome covering the Italy-England uh, game. How was that? Uh, yes, very good. Uh, England, uh, pretty impressive to be fair in the end. Um, 
the Italians uh, fought hard, but uh, they've uh, they just had a bit too much in the end, didn't they? So they look like they're going to be pretty uh, pretty tough to stop. Yeah, that that does seem uh, seem to be the way. For, for for the listeners who might might not know about you, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? And um, you're obviously here to help us preview the um, the Scotland France game. Uh, you work for for Sportsbeat, and uh, where does your interest in uh, in French rugby come from? So I'm I'm half French, so I've kind of um, grown up with with uh, French rugby, kind of uh, pretty much since I was uh, I was very young. Um, lived over there for a while as well, so um, always keep quite quite a close eye on it. Try and kind of follow what's going on in the in the papers and and in the top fourteen and the national team. Um, there've been better years than the, the last two or three, but uh, hopefully they'll uh, they'll turn it around at some point. Absolutely, and for for anyone out there who's on, who's on Twitter, you should follow Paul at Paul, uh, Paul Edison. He, he does a really good sort of translation of the French media, and uh, we usually report his rumours of um, players <laughs> as definite facts. So you should get onto Twitter it's at Paul Edison. It's really worthwhile. Cheers. <laughs> so um, why don't we start with that, that um, the France Island game? What what did you make of that? And um, and this fairly unknown French team to a lot of eyes and, and the performance that they put in? Uh, well, I think you can definitely say on the defensive side of things, they, they stepped up. I mean, 250-odd tackles, I think it was. Um, just kind of, they, they really did their job, kind of shut Ireland down in that sense. Um, gave away a few too many penalties um, and then just looked pretty short of ideas with ball in hand where on the few occasions they did have the ball. Um, obviously not helped by... 19-year-old fly Jadi Bear on debut, kind of going off after half an hour, um, which makes it a little bit trickier to, to kind of get get your game in place. Um, that's going to be the concern whether they can kind of create much against Scotland, um, because you, you'd hope. Well, from a Scottish perspective, I'm sure they'll hope to be a, a bit more dangerous than they were against Wales, and, and I don't know whether they'll be able to defend like they did for for a second straight week. Do you think they'll go in with a slightly different game plan against Scotland? I know, sort of last year at the start of France. French pack really sort of bullied sort of the Scottish pack. Yeah, I will see. He, um, Jack Brunel wants. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Kind of a little bit of size to kind of try and counter the Irish um, last weekend. Um, I don't know if he's going to necessarily try and go with the biggest possible pack this weekend. Um, they'll be forced to a little bit in that Kevin Gordon, who's obviously a flanker, who was shifted to eight, um, is now out. So they're going to have a more traditional number eight starting. Um, they called up Pickamol, um, who's back in the squad, but I think it's going to be Marco Tolen, who made his debut off the bench, who will start. Um, I don't know if they'll go for a massive front five, but you'd figure that given 
of their strength anyway in the front five that they should get the nudge on up front anyway. That's pretty much how they won in Paris last year. So I think they'll try and do similar, at least in that regard. You, you mentioned a few uh, names like Picamore and Gourdon that, that most followers will have heard of and seen play, but it seems as if the French squad is full of quite a few unknowns this year. Is, is that sort of um, because Brunel's been picking on form or is it sort of a continuation of a quite inconsistent selection process? Um, I think even Novers had started to kind of look at a few a few younger players. Um, they're, I think they're, they're going away from some of you guys like your maestries and, and even Picamore who've been out of form. People who they thought maybe had hit a level and they, there was no real potential for them to go much further. I mean, Picamore at his best is obviously an absolutely quality player, but I think they're, they're quite keen to look at these young guys coming through and give them a shot and see... If in the longer term, if these guys are going to have kind of the potential to really be kind of world-class players rather than settling for, for people who maybe aren't quite ever going to be as good. That, that's really interesting. I mean, what, where, where do you see the sort of key matchups um, happening on, on Sunday between uh, France and Scotland? Um, well, one which will be interesting last year, Hamish Watson and I mean, Scotland in general just absolutely destroyed them at the breakdown. That was They just didn't seem to be able to get any quick ball. And given how France really struggled to do much yesterday. Uh, sorry, on Saturday um, against Ireland, they're going to need to try and get some quick ball. So that will be the, the battle at the breakdown will be huge. Um, it sounds like they might bring in Sekou Makalu, who is um, lightning fast from Stade Francais, to play on the flank, possibly instead of Wenceslas Lorre, who is probably a better better guy over the ball. But I think they're just going to they want to try and play with a bit of pace as well. Um, but yeah, if if they can get anywhere near parity at the breakdown, I think that gives them a shot. But that would be my concern in terms of the areas um, that, that Scotland will probably fancy themselves. Yeah, de- definitely. And um, I think we can charitably say that Saturday wasn't a great outing for Scotland down in Cardiff. Um, what's, what's been sort of said in, in the French media, if anything, off the back of that? Um, I think they've taken the approach that, I mean, they're looking at it as, this Scotland team will be out for revenge, kind of making up for it. I think, as terrible as obviously it was as a performance, it did feel like one of those games where after 20 minutes, kind of two things, if two things had gone the other way, it could have been maybe not 14 nil Scotland, but Scotland could have been right in it and maybe it's a completely different game. Yeah. Um, I think it's just one of those where once it started going away from them, they just really kind of crumbled, whereas you, you felt that there was... I mean, it's just an, I've never seen a first 20 minutes like that in a, in a Six Nations game, to be honest. Maybe that Super Saturday a few years back, but that's about it. It was just played so quickly. Um, yeah. And so I think there's always potential for things to turn around. And I think I don't think anyone's kind of written off Scotland after after what they did in in November. I think the French are still kind of a little concerned that it's going to be a tough tough place to go. No, hopefully they'll come back strong. I think with uh, Brunel sort of coming in, there's been sort of a lot of changes over the Christmas period. Do you think... He's gonna. What's he gonna try and do to sort of change up sort of the style of play for France? I mean, he's been quite um, open, um, saying that. I mean, he's had two weeks with the squad. He'll have had an extra week, but obviously bringing in new players because of four injuries already. Um, so he said he's not going to go too complicated. It's going to be fairly basic, um, just because that's all they can can kind of put in place. So I think the def- the defense is one thing they're working on because you can kind of get that right fairly quickly from an attacking perspective. I don't think you're going to see these kind of 
the particularly elaborate plays. Um, they didn't really have many opportunities, to be honest, with ball in hand. But I think they're still going to be fairly limited in what they offer um, when they do have the ball. They're just going to try and be as solid as possible and kind of, I guess, as a, a starting point. And then you build from there, maybe once they've had a bit more time time together. Because obviously even the coaching team have only been together a month, let alone the players. Yeah, no, absolutely. And obviously, Jalabert is out. Who's going to be coming in at 10 and how do you, how do you think that might impact the team? So, Anthony Bello, who came on um, at the weekend, it seems like he's going to start. Um, they've called up Lionel Boxis for the first time in, in six years. He'll be on the bench. <laughs> wow. um, Love Lionel Boxis. <laughs> Blast from the past. Yes, it's been, a, it's been a long time. Obviously, he kind of made his name initially. He was the, the fly half when they beat New Zealand in 2007 at the World Cup. Um, he, I mean, he's, he's a very different type of fly half. He has been playing very, very well for Lyon. I think most people thought his international days were behind him. He's 32 now. But he's been in good form, unlike a lot of... And this was one of the strengths of Jalibert, and I don't think many others have it. Um, he does know how to kind of play for territory. He can kind of... He can put you in the right areas of the field, which um, I find happens far too often with France, where they just seem to spend all game in their own part of the pitch. So maybe that will help if he does come on. But I think it will be Bello who starts. He's quite an attacking fly-half. Um, I didn't think he really got did that well at the weekend. He's come in for a bit of criticism because he obviously missed a, a quite important penalty, um, which yeah. if he'd got it, then, um, then Sexton's heroics would have been, well, we wouldn't have even seen him try a fly, uh, drop goal because uh, they'd been down by four. So, yeah, we'll see how he goes. Um, maybe with a bit more time to prepare and, and working with Machinot will be a little bit better, but that will be my guess at how they'll line up. And then, obviously, Bellew's um, opposite man will be Finn Russell on Saturday. Yes. What are your thoughts on his move to Racing? How do you think he'll um, fit into that squad? It's it's a very interesting one. Racing are very effective, very clinical, very pragmatic. Um, not necessarily words I'd, I'd associate with Finn Russell. <laughs> um, he's I mean he's brilliant to watch. Um, I just it just seem a very odd kind of choice of club. Um, obviously, I think Leone Nakarawa, by all accounts, was kind of played a part in convincing him to come. And to be fair, well, I've called them kind of pragmatic and perhaps not the best to watch, but they do have Nakarawa. So there, there are still kind of moments of, of absolutely glorious offloading and kind of marching up and down the field. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting. They've they played some good rugby this year, to be fair to them. But I don't know how much freedom he's going to have. He's, I don't know if we'll see the Finn Russell we've seen for Glasgow and kind of lastly for Scotland as well, kind of just having a go whenever the opportunity presents itself. Um, even though he will have, with the likes of Vakatar and Teddy Toma outside him, he'll still have some, some pretty exciting talent to work with. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think French um, fans will be quite interested to see how he goes this weekend. They've been very impressed with him in the past. Um, and given that he's on his way soon, um, they'll be keeping a close eye. Yeah, it's one for us. I mean, what our main concern is that he's just going to come back injured, and we don't have a lot of strength and depth in that <laughs> in that area. So that we're going to be watching, sort of more concerned, I think, about um, how he gets on. Yeah, but, that's um, fair. Look, looking ahead to Sunday, um, put you on the spot. What do you see happening? What's uh, what's your prediction? Um, I mean, I think Scotland will come back. Um, I think they'll bounce back from from last weekend. I'd predict they probably will win. Um, if maybe if the rain comes down and it's quite a tight affair, and even though the Scottish scrum held up okay initially at the weekend, you'd figure the French will have the better of them. Um, so maybe 
if France are going to win, I think that's how they need to do it. Just kind of grind the scrum penalties, kind of keep it tight, defend like they did at the weekend and maybe take take the opportunities as they come. Um, Scottish defence wasn't great at the weekend, was it? So maybe if um, if any opportunities do present themselves, like Vakata and Tom, I can, can make hay. But um, no, I, if I had to predict, I think Scotland will get the better of them on the ground. Um, they'll open them, open them up a bit and probably win with a little bit to spare. Well, we certainly like the sound of that, so uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully that'll come true. Um, Paul, we'll let you go. Thanks, uh, thanks very much for joining us and sharing that that insight into the into French rugby. Uh, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So at least someone's positive about um, the game on Sunday. That sounds great. If we can get a get a win with something to spare. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I wouldn't be predicting that after last weekend, but. Yeah, he kno- he knows more than <laughs> he, he knows, knows more than we do. Yeah, I've got this horrible fear because if we lose this game, it's basically then going to be us versus Italy for the wooden spoon. Yeah, absolutely. This is the one that we need to win. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I'm I'm not as positive as Polish. I was mo- I was and and maybe this was a bit naive. I was more confident about us being Wales at Millennium Stadium than I was beating France at Murrayfield. Ooh, that's quite a... Well, just because, again, originally going back to sort of the original hypothesis was that Scotland, that Scotland team will struggle to compete against that French pack and French power. And there isn't anything that happened this Saturday that makes me doubt doubt that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's have, let's have a look forward to it. Shall we start with news that... Um, so, Byron McGuigan is out... Um, injured. Do you know what his injury is? Um, if you give me one second to open the SRU announcement, <laughs> I, absolutely, <laughs> I absolutely can give you a bit of that. It, and Rich, uh, Richie Gray is also... Richie Gray is not... The, the way they phrase it is quite interesting. He's not really made it. He's on his way back to fitness. Um, and neither has um, Duncan Taylor. So Duncan Taylor still showing signs of um, concussion. And Richie Gray with his calf. Byron McGuigan, here you go is the official line, Alan. McGuigan sustained the injury... Oh, no, wait. <laughs> I've read the wrong bit. <laughs> it doesn't actually say. Top quality can, podcast. This is good, me. isn't it? We can edit it out. It's fine. Hamstring injury. Hamstring injury, as, yeah. I, as I mentioned. <laughs> Hamstring injury. So McGuigan is not there. So let's talk about personnel changes, um, injury forced or not. What do you think um, Tooney should do? And then what do you think he will do um, in regards to personnel for the, the France game at the weekend? Matt. Well, I imagine Maitland will come in for McGuigan. I think, do you think that would have happened anyway? Possibly, yeah. And I think it's, it's for the best. I think that... Absolutely. Someone tweeted saying that Maitland's one of those players that you sort of miss a bit when he's not there. And then when he's playing, you sort of... He doesn't do anything flashy, but he's very solid and he's a very good carrier. And I thought that... McGuigan was trying to carry against Wales and just getting turned over and being pretty ineffective. Other changes, I think there's an argument to play Laidlaw instead of Price. Yeah, I want to get into that. But that could be a very short-term argument, and you think that's kind of going back to when Scotland and the Six Nations were just so desperate for a win that we would play you know, really bad, turgid rugby against England in, in the rain and hope to win 9-6. Are we not desperate for a win? We We are, but I think that the way this team has been evolving in the last year and a half, we're we're better than just scraping wins. I I actually agree, and I think 
what would it be saying to like a young guy like Ali Price if he's just going to get chopped after one one game, having shown real real quality to earn that Scotland nine jersey ahead of Laidlaw? Um, like, what would it say if we're going if we are going to can him? Although I can see both both sides of the coin. Like Laidlaw, if we'd gone fourteen nil down and Laidlaw had been on the park, would he have had more of a leadership influence on the team just by being there? Would he have been the person to say, right, lads, let's fucking calm down a little bit? So I, I don't know. I can see both sides. Alan, what do you think? Uh, I think you stick with Price. I think it's, um, you're right. I think it would be a bit of a, a short-term solution to a long-term problem. That's probably not the right way to say it. But I think Price is the long-term solution. And I think with Price, there probably will be the odd hiccup like there was on um Saturday and it was against France that's last a, year. That's as well. a nice way of putting it. The, the, odd, the odd hiccup. The odd hiccup. <laughs> um, but I think, look, I think we've got to look to the future and I think it's most probably going to be Price with George Horn coming through. And I think it's nice to have Laidlaw in that squad and on the bench, probably going all the way through to sort of 2019. But I think also with the amount of changes that are probably going to be made with Dunbar, with McGuigan, Cornell's probably going to get chopped. I feel like taking Price out of the occasion is probably just a bit too much changing for one game. So then you'd have Dunbar in at 12, and who would you have at number eight? It's Dent Weezy coming. I think I, I want to make the case for Dent Weezy. I think we need big ball carriers in the back row, and I don't think Ryan Wilson can, can do it to the level that we need. I actually am thinking that we should, and this is my outlier suggestion, can Barkley get uh, Magnus Bradbury in at six? Ooh. Just big, abrasive ball carriers, and we just go for the game line. I mean, you just you can't do that. I mean, I'm they not. I'm that. talking about dropping the captain after one game, but <laughs> I think I think that's the game Scotland need to play. And I think the only personnel that we've got that is capable of doing it is Dent Weezy at eight and Bradbury at six, with Hamish Watson continuing to being Hamish Watson at seven. I don't mind that in a way. <laughs> Come, I, at, I come I, at me, lads. I don't think they will. I think they will put Wilson back in it. There is absolutely no <laughs> chance of dropping Barkley. No, 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 I'm, saying, I'm, saying, no I'm, saying, I'm saying just even even Denton. They're going to play Wilson at eight, I think. Yes, they will play Wilson, 100%. Do uh, you think Denton gets the um, gets a bench slot? I honestly don't know. Cover I, six I don't and eight. Know. I think Dupree is going to get dropped and yep. never play for Scotland ever again. I think that's him done. <laughs> rugby. No, I think I think it's his last season of his contract. I think he'll just be like, "What? I can go to France. I don't need to play for Scotland." I think yeah. he could be. I think he could be done. Generally, <laughs> I just think the reaction against him has just been so bad, and his performance was. Yeah, he's got a bit it. of the the kind of Finn Russell about him, where there there is something about his sort of personality and sort of mannerisms that almost sort of amplify when he's been doing bad. He looks <laughs> yeah. like he couldn't give a fuck. Yeah, he has got a bit of that about him, doesn't he? Yeah. W- would we make any other changes? I was thinking maybe Gilchrist instead That's of That's what I was about Tulis. to say. I think to, I think uh, Gilchrist was probably... I think Tula's got enough in the bank Do you think? to go through that I, one I game. wouldn't be upset if he was selected, but I think there is a case for putting Gilchrist in. I think it's a real shame that Richie Gray's uh, not made it back. I think you miss a guy of his size and his athleticism within that team. Yeah. I think playing alongside Johnny, they just seem to bring out the best in one another, so I think it's a real shame. Hopefully he'll be back for the England game with that extra week off in between. 
Um, but no, I yes, I'd probably stick with BBT. I think the gains are pretty marginal between the two of them. They're both quite similar. Um, yeah. Uh, look, I'd love to bring in Batty. Yeah, that's. I was going to ask about front row. I yeah. think front row. You can't drop John Welsh. We need he anchors that scrum. Although Simon I would like. Bergen. Oh yeah, Simon Bergen's back, isn't he? Yes, yeah. he is back. That is true. He's so a, yes, actually, a, I, I'm going to go back on my um, <laughs> original <laughs> statement and say you probably start Simon Bergen purely because of how ineffective John Welsh was around the I park. I think you bring in Simon Bergen, and the reason you can't bring in Batty is because he'd be against Slomani. Yeah, who is a fucking beast. And whilst Batty, I keep swearing today. Yeah, I know. I don't know. Sorry, but you've had a tough weekend. I, I've had a tough weekend, but I know we've we've been we've had a bad review before due to the the language. Um, but yeah, Batty, I actually thought looked relatively chirpy when he came on I the pitch. Decent. Yeah, but against sort of Slamani, who is like a well-known scrummager, I just think it's, it could be absolute. So we bring in. You're saying we bring in Bergen, but leave Gordy Reid. Yeah. At loose head. I thought there was chat about Dickinson. Yeah. Well, I got. I was chatting to somebody who said that, but Dickinson's not in the squad. Or is he not? He's not even in the wider. Um, really? In the Ma- wider Scotland maybe squad. Maybe has still been. Anyway, so there. what what we heard is that he was he was going it well enough in training to prove his fitness, but he just there in was Edinburgh training. In Edinburgh training. Got you. But he wasn't. He had. He would be so untested. He would be so untested because he's been out of the game for, I mean, how much rugby has he played? Well, hopefully he gets some game time for Edinburgh. Yeah, well, hopefully he can play this weekend. weekend. So maybe he could. But from what we hear, he is on his way back. But So lots of changes. Lots, lots of potential of, changes. And, then, potential and in the back changes. line, we're saying Dunbar, if fit, comes in at 12. You shift Hugh Jones to 13, which I think is super important to get him attacking outside channels because yep. he's quick and... He asks questions of the fans at 13 that he doesn't ask at 12 because he's not big enough. Yeah. And I think you probably then have Lee Jones. Lee Jones? On the bench. Oh, on the bench. Oh, on the bench. Fine, Instead fine, of, fine. obviously, sort of Chris Harris. Because then, then you've got Horn to kind of cover... Jack- um, Jackson? Jackson's Ooh. a good show, but I guess now you've Let's got... Let's Horn in there. Maitley can still cover 15. There so a, there you don't need to have that 15 cover and Horn yeah. can cover 10. Yeah, I mean, I would true. love to have Blair Kinghorn on the bench, but again, there's nowhere else he can play in that yeah. international bat line apart from yeah. 15 at the moment. So um, maybe just goes ro- rogue and just chucks. Lots and lots of changes. Do you know who I did think looked good when they came off the bench? Murray McCallum. I thought Murray McCallum gave a really good account of himself coming on uh, tight head. Stop watching that. Yeah, point, I think you'd so. left by that stage. <laughs> uh, he made some really nice carries in the loose. Like, fair enough, the scrum... By that time, it was McCallum and Batty, and it wasn't fantastic. But I thought he did really decent, and he's a really, really young lad. So hopefully, his um, progression continues. Big old boy. Oh, he's a big old boy. All the young props that we've had in like the last six months have all done quite well. Yeah, I know. And, like <laughs> having had sort of six starts between them in pro rugby. Fair play to them. Fair play to them. Okay, give me a quick prediction then, lads, and then we will finish off on a high debatable high on Alan's mystery quiz um, I will come to you first Alan preview not preview prediction for the game on Sunday um, I think I'm going to say if Dunbar is fit we win by three if Dunbar is unfit we lose by five wonderful I think he is fit so good news if he starts <laughs> um, 
I just think that Scotland can't play that badly twice in a row. <laughs> they have you watched Scotland they before? Cannot. No, we're different now. We are. <laughs> we we have something about us. I think that the motivation will be so high. What I'm slightly worried about is that it will become a very tight match because the pressure is, is on to get that win and that will play into France's hands. But I still think Scotland will win by eight. Eight. Very punchy predictions. Um, I agree. I think Scotland are going to win. Uh, I think we will bounce back. Although I have been thinking for the last couple of days that do you remember when everyone was really super positive when Vern Cotter came in and then we got the wooden spoon? Hmm. I felt I had a little sort of um, flashback, and I was like, "Oh, that could that could happen." <laughs> why are we so bad? It's not fair. That's actually what I, I was just like. Why are we so bad? That's all I could say to anybody on Saturday night. It was very poor. But um, right, Alan, bit of quiz. Yeah, I mean, this just is really two really two questions. <laughs> this is really really bad. And if you hang around and give us the correct answers on Twitter, Alan will buy you a pint at the game on Sunday. That is fair. I mean. <laughs> Um, you're not even going, but you'll be in the Rosebone buying people buying. But, yeah, but I'll you'll be, in you'll the be yeah, you'll be in the sport, the bit of the the back of the Rosebone buying pints. Yeah, love that bit. Good, good. If the SOU was a country, oh come on! <laughs> <laughs> How many countries in the world would have a higher GDP than? And if you do think you can see why people stop listening <laughs> when the when the quizzes come on, I think this is an interesting question. Personally, um, how many countries uh, in the world? Do you think it's got a higher GDP then? And if you do think it's got a high, higher, which countries are they? So what? It's got... Well, I can't a fi- many. It had a, I had, had I had a 50, million, 50 million revenue. And this is, this is based on the IMF's um, 2017 <laughs> report, nominal GDP, 191 oh my countries. God. And um, let's remember the SOU had right, fine, rev- uh, revenue of 50 million pounds last 50 year. 50 million pounds. I think... I d- that <laughs> I can't even like begin to imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a second question in case you don't. Right, give us this. Se- give us so a second question as well, then. Oh, second question is, uh, who? It's the- not linked to the first, is it? No. <laughs> who were the three people who scored points for Scotland against France in last year's 2017 Six Nations game? Oh, um, three people. Okay. Oh, oh who scored the, the wrong Who year. scored the try? That's very frustrating. Um, okay, I've got names down, whether they're right or not. I think I've got two. Right. Question one. How many countries? Ten. Ten? Five. Five. You're both wrong. Obviously. You got any idea of who it might be? I put, like, Caledonia Islands and Haiti and the Vatican. So all The Vatican's GDP must be massive. The Catholic Church must have so much cash. I was really thrown that I was going for obscure what, Polynesian what islands. Is, what is the answer? It is one. Just one. We're bigger than one country. Tuvalu. Tuvalu. Ah, some random. Yeah. Sadly, only wow. got a GDP of forty million dollars. Oh, that's a shame. that was the most hanging chat of all time. Do you not think that's quite interesting? <laughs> no. I think it's, uh, no. no? <laughs> <laughs> you could just work a fact about the SOU into kind of anything. That's what you've done. I was like, there is one country in the world that is genuinely smaller than the SOU. That's good. Maybe, cool. we should, maybe we should turn them into the next protein. <laughs> Let's base or something. Like, what are we doing there? Um, right, go on then. Question two. Who were the three people to score points in the Scotland-France game last year? 
I've got Laidlaw and Russell, because I think Laidlaw probably kicked a pen before he went off. And then Russell, I think, converted a try that was scored by Tommy Seymour. I just I, I can't remember. I've got Hogg scored in the corner. Yeah. Uh, Tim Swinson scored. Yeah. And I think the Laidla got the points because Russell missed the kick in front of the post. Oh. Or was it Russell? So Russell got two penalties. So Laidla must have got injured. But Laidla missed the Hogg conversion. Yeah, okay. Uh, okay. So um, Matt takes it 2-1. Wow. What an anticlimax. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'll do. <laughs> I think we can the, uh, end on that low note. So yeah, for the listeners that have stayed in, I'll be wait, I'll have a couple of blue KDs in the back with the rose burn on Sunday night. <laughs> if you can, if you tweet the correct answers. Okay. Um, thanks again for joining us, guys, um, and for sticking out as after an awful weekend of Scottish rugby. Please get onto iTunes, leave us a review, five stars, and we'll read it out on the pod. It really, really helps us to get our name out there. Um, follow us on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod and join us on Instagram Thistle Understroke Rugby Understroke Pod. Come on, Scotland on Sunday. Give us a win. Cheers, lads. Cheers. Cheers. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.